All right, we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Yes, I know everybody out there knows I love to talk about sports entertainment slash pro wrestling. I'm I'm not one of those old types that cannot let go of pro wrestling, even though depending where you talk to and where you go, it's either sports entertainment or pro wrestling for legal reasons, for not so legal reasons, and for just reasons altogether. It is the sports entertainment world. It is still viewed by millions each and every week. But how many millions? I think it's going to be the question going forward because where this industry is at now, its health overall in 2021 and the future going forward should be of concern of those who have been watching as an audience for decades, years. I mean, for a lot of us still that are alive today, they're it's part of our childhood growing up. And here today to talk about where we are now and where we could be going forward is a great man indeed. He loves to talk pro wrestling. He and I could probably talk for <laughs> days. And I've actually said it on the show, could probably talk for days about pro wrestling. He's a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out his shows, the PVD cast and Matt Talk. Yes. Right there for you. Actually, award nominated shows. And if I had a chance to go ahead and bribe, the Ohio Podcast Awards, he would be the the winner, regardless. Well. <laughs> Is there any like you know, you know maybe some some photos I can send over you know but bribery to go ahead and get you in? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you know what? I'll tell everybody where they could go vote. How about that? I okay, do have a okay. website link here, but uh, I'm I'm glad to be back. Thank you very much, Gerald. It's uh, John Orlando, by oh, the way. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes, it's John Orlando. I I was already talking bribery and blackmailing before we even started. You know, that's just bad. How bad I am. Sorry. We we got off on a tangent already. We're what two minutes in? <laughs> yes, yes. We have a tendency to do that when we get together. But it is John Orlando and John. Great to have you here. Give me your assessment. To start off with on where we're at with pro wrestling slash sports entertainment. I mean, I don't know if I want to go ahead and and be like others that are just moaning. It's not the way it used to be. It's nothing is the way it used to be in our society. Everything evolves, everything changes, whether it's for bad or for good. And and there is some bad and there is some good when it concerns the product right now on the marketplace, whether it's what, whichever organization that you regularly watch. I'm going to say that I think um, if we were putting the scale of the health of pro wrestling as a whole on a scale from one to 10, Gerald, I'd probably say it's like a seven. I think it's been better. I think it's been worse. I feel that, you know, and and I'm going to say that last year doesn't count. I mean, we cannot take a look at what happened last year and go, well, you know, the product stinks because of that. You, we can't that, 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 that's just, that's just ludicrous. That's ridiculous. We're going to exclude 2020. Okay. In, In my synopsis of this, I think that in, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 2021, we're getting back to it. That I think that the strength and the health of wrestling has gone up to a seven, or maybe it wasn't, uh, you, you know, prior to the uh, a few years ago, you know, maybe in the early 2000s or in the mid 2000s when it was much lower. And I say the reason why is because we are seeing more choices. All right, with professional wrestling, and and I'm going to call it professional wrestling. I'm not going to do the the double double name, if you will, <laughs> professional wrestling. I think that we have more choice. 
And I think that's a good thing. And I think that there's lots of really good independent promotions that are feeding great talent to those other organizations. And so I think that the health is good. Now, where does it go from here? Does it continue to move up that, you know, uh, scale, so to speak? I don't know. No, we'll see what happens. But I think seven, a little high. I'd probably put around the six. Okay. Maybe, maybe 5.8, six. In that uh, and the reason why I say that is because I'm, I'm watching the product now. And the thing is with, with you as a consumer and myself as a consumer, mm-hmm. I understand that even though a great and vast percentage of individuals, our age group, our age bracket, and, and if you haven't taken a look at us on camera, you can pretty much guess what bracket that is. But I'll let you guess what that There's is. There's some gray in his beard. Yeah, Quite exactly. Bit, so. Yes. <laughs> Jamie Monroy, a good friend of mine, is commenting 5.5. I have a tendency to be closer to his 5.5 assessment. But as older individuals, I understand that we still watch the product. I also understand that they should not cater the product to us. And the reason why I say that is, how did we watch in the first place? We all watched it as young kids and we were fascinated by what went on as young kids and it grew up with it. And that became part of our culture going forward in order for the business to grow and expand. One of the things that has to happen is you have to go ahead and reach a younger audience Mm -hmm. and get them hooked and get them Mm -hmm. involved. Mm -hmm. And I still think at some point in time that they, that both, major organizations here in the U.S. and all around the world, they have to go ahead and make a more concerted effort to go ahead and try and attract a younger audience. Jamie, once again, mentioned Saturday mornings. I think the only one that does close to that this time is Ring of Honor, but they don't have the personnel nor the type of presence, even though they do have the Sinclair outlet, which would normally be a great outlet, like in the old days, a vast syndicated network. I just don't think they just have the presence or the names to go ahead and get over to a large audience. I do think that the syndication, and he has the right idea, syndication to is one way to go ahead and expand to a younger audience. But you also have to find out better and more efficient ways to go ahead and reach out. And I know the WWE and AEW have been both trying to do that through various ways, through social media, through YouTube, trying to go ahead and put specific shows on the there. But I'm still thinking there's missing something. I, I still think there is something missing in today's product overall. I just don't see it fascinating. I, when you and I talk about it, we, we have our WrestleMania previews and we have our previews of some of the major cards or what's going on in the business. We ne- we're never excited. We never go ahead and embellish anything as far as with real energy and enthusiasm. Right. And, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And and I know, and Jamie said, you know, attitude era, you know, I understand a lot of our individuals here would love to go ahead and see an attitude era come back in some form or fashion. Maybe the, the, that the WWE is now predominantly, uh, you know, part of Peacock and, and USA and Fox, maybe they can go ahead and try and put a more adult product out there to try and relive some of that. I'm not sure that's the entire answer either. But you do need a storyline. You do need need characters within the WWE, AEW, New Japan, what have you, that is going to get the general audience out there, not the John Orlandos, not the Gerald Glassers, not the Jamie Monroys out there talking. It has to get the general audience out there. When Steve Austin 
and Vince McMahon were having their tit for tat each and every week. When the NWO was collecting a new member, like you would collect a book or you would collect something over the weekend, week after week, you know, those are things that people were talking about each and every week. And they weren't being talked about specifically by us, but they were being talked about by the individuals that work around the water cooler. They were being talked about by individuals out there on just everyday life. People were wearing their NWO shirts. They were wearing the, their their skulls as far as from with Steve Austin. They were wearing the Rock Brahma Bull t-shirts. They were supporting these things that they wouldn't normally support. And that's the thing I think that's missing is that characters and storylines are missing from both organizations. In fact, all organizations as a whole. And I think that's one of the major reasons why pro wrestling slash sports entertainment is not succeeding at this point in time. Okay, a couple of things that you mentioned there, I'm going to kind of unpack. And, and I agree with you. We're not building the next group of fans. And, and honest to goodness, I went to have a drink at happy hour with a friend of mine who's a wrestling promoter here in Ohio. Who uh, We were talking about the very last show that he ran in June. And I said that my girlfriend and her friends came to the show, have never been to a pro wrestling show, and said, that was so much fun. We would come back. So when you can get people who are not wrestling fans, who do not watch it on USA, who do not uh, go to the arena to see the WWE, when they come, they have a good time to meet, you're doing something right, and you've built a few more fans. And I think that that's one of the things that we definitely are missing in professional wrestling is building the, those fans, whether it is kids or whether it is adults. And the other thing I think is that when you look back throughout professional wrestling, you've had those people that could cross over and be in the mainstream and garner attention that lets people go, hey, I'm going to check this out. Whether it was Antonio Inoki taking on Muhammad Ali, whether it was Hulk Hogan on the A-team, whether it was The Rock on Saturday Night Live, whether it was uh, you know Stone Cold being on, on one of those movies that he did. I can't remember the name of those movies. What were the movies he did? That's the problem. A lot of people can't either. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the the Expendables, one, per se. How about yeah, that? Yeah, it's one of those type of WWE films where he was the – yeah, they were all on the island, last one standing. I don't remember what it was called. Or when he was the prisoner. I remember that yes, one. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, the yeah. convict or whatever. But yeah. You had crossover appeal, and I don't think that uh, the WWE is doing that. I mean, we'll, we'll see here. Here, to me, I think is going to be the barometer. Suicide Squad's coming out in a month. John Cena, heavily promoted in that movie. When John Cena starts going out on the talk show circuit, are we going to hear people use that title, WWE Superstar John Cena, or are they just going to go John Cena? And I think that that's going to tell us a little bit about the crossover appeal that's either hitting with, uh, with fans or not hitting, in that case, with fans. Because I feel like if they acknowledge he's a WWE superstar, then, you know, okay, we're trying to make that cross of, that appeal. We're trying to get more people to recognize the WWE. If they don't, that, that's going to be an indication of maybe where we're going to go, especially in the WWE for the next few months. Well, there's also F9. He's done a lot of promo work for F9. That, oh, yeah. Fact, he got himself in trouble for saying the wrong thing about the wrong country or the wrong part of the world, I should say, as far as that's concerned. But I will say that he was talked about as far as his appearances back in the WWE. But 
that's still not the answer because he's only being there for a part-time basis until right. he gets another gig or until he does something else because he's now achieved a level of status where he is going to go mm-hmm. ahead and be a premier actor that's wanted and desired out there in Hollywood, such as what we're seeing from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who may do an appearance at a WrestleMania, but that's all the best you're going to get out of him. Same thing goes for a Dave Bautista who wants nothing right now to do with the WWE and not, doesn't even want to work with his individual wrestlers on camera. So he wants to go ahead and branch out and branch out beyond what we're seeing and what we associate him from. So he's, he's looking to do things on his own, and I respect his wishes on that. But to me, I think it's an issue of you need to build stars and you need to build something that's compelling. Compelling television is really hard to do. It's I know we can all sit back from our armchairs and do the armchair quarterback thing and saying it should be done like this, should be done like that. One of the things that I know came out in the wash recently in the WWE was that someone who was on another podcast, a writer or former WWE writer, was interviewed and she you know, was basically questioned, did she know wrestling? Did she know anything about sports entertainment? Did she know anything about the storylines? And she really didn't have a clue what was going on even after starting to work with the WWE. And she didn't even know the characters or anything like that. And people were appalled at how could this happen and things of that nature. And you know, why would the WWE be so ready to go ahead and bring someone in? I'm not going to vilify the WWE for trying to go ahead and think outside the box. But it just tells me that they understand what we all understand out there, that they're in a... I don't say rapidly losing situation, but they're in a declining situation because our base is getting older and older. We're going to be less and less in touch. There are younger audiences who are not watching wrestling and they realize they need to try and do things that are out there. I just don't think some of the approaches that they have with 300 writers are the way to go. I I think they need to look back in history and see what worked and not necessarily repeat it, but learn from it, take steps from it, and go forward from there. And AEW, the same thing. Getting all these individual names for the WWE. That oh, terrible really, idea. Yeah, they're just, it, it, it's something that pro wrestling organizations have done over the course of time. We saw what it did for Impact, nothing. We saw what it did for other organizations that just tried to go ahead and pay a ton of dollars for this ex-WWE star, did nothing. Uh, you know, I, I understand from history, we don't learn from our mistakes, but right now in pro wrestling history, we're not learning from our mistakes. And I'm going to throw out one other thing that I think probably would help us in, in terms of being wrestling fans and getting a good product. Look, I know we're in 2021, kayfabe's dead, but it wouldn't hurt to maybe pull that curtain back just a little bit, just a little bit. Don't don't tell every single thing that's going to happen because then why would you why would you watch? You know, you, case in point, if a company does a bunch of TV tapings right out of the gates, everybody's posting everything that went on, you know, nip that in the bud. Stop doing that. Like start making surprises mean something, Gerald. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you have uh I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a scenario there. You have John Moxley on AEW Dynamite. He keeps getting weird packages sent to him. And of course, you know, like the old Abdullah the Butcher Sting storyline, all of a sudden, third week, there's a giant package on the stage and it's for John Moxley. Who, what could it be? And it, it could be your next big superstar that comes out. And then that would be like, hey, we didn't see that coming. 
and you keep it under wraps. Don't tell everybody. Don't tell everybody that, oh, we signed so-and-so because then smart wrestling fans are going to go, you signed so-and-so, there's a box on the stage, it's so-and-so. It's not, yeah. it's, not, it's not rocket science. No, it's not rocket science, but you know, trying to create compelling television, I think, is the key to go ahead and the survival of yeah. the actual industry of itself. And I, I just don't see it right now. There is potential out there. I know we've mentioned MJF. I know we've mentioned other individuals out there that might be able to have that torch passed to them and may be able to go ahead and expand the popularity of pro wrestling because as you and I both know, if the sport is, um, we, it, it came from an situation where it came from smoky halls and bars and where there was a period of time where it was shown, only shown on local television and was thought of in such a demeaning fashion. And there's a great chance by the end of this decade, and I'm going to say this out there, there's a great chance at the end of this decade that it could go back down to that because being a worldwide product is definitely harder, but each and every week as we see the numbers decline for WWE and as we see the numbers not rising for AEW, it becomes a greater and greater concern for people who have a love and affinity for pro wrestling Mm -hmm. that by the end of this decade, that it could be in a place where it was a long time ago before Hulkamania hit and before people really wanted to recognize it as really, truly good entertainment. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Uh, that's it's, it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you... Here, re- you're going to need these two. Dice? You've just had... Are these even dice? We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season 2, coming soon to Pop Culture Cosmos. Ooh, that's that's really a bummer of, an, of a statement, Gerald. I, I mean, gotta be me, honest I mean it's, it's, it, you look it's at possible, the numbers, though. it's all yeah. trending down. They're all trending down. And it's harder and harder to go ahead and... and and sustain that level of acceptance. Even when people can say John Cena may not have been one of those transcendent stars, but you see the amount of people that were watching mm-hmm. WWE's product in the earlier part of last decade as compared to now, and it's like night and day. And that was even down then. That That's yeah. the thing. That's the scary part. It was down in that initial you know, first half of the OOTs, as they called them, the 2000 through 2006, 2007 you know, the numbers were down then. And I don't, you know, I, I think it's it's a complicated situation. You know, as I, I agree that we got to build new stars. I agree that we got to build new fans. You know, I agree that we got to get better storytelling. Case in point, you know, when when we're, you mentioned Ring of Honor, I feel like with, with my notes that I, I jotted down, I feel like, Ring of Honor doesn't have a presence. You're absolutely right because they only advertise on Sinclair. It's like ECW on TNN. I know when it's on. I'm a fan. I know when it's on. Guys that girls that want to watch it, they never they don't know it's not on because they're not seeing it in 
uh, on the internet. They're not seeing it, you know, advertised on other programs. There's no presence. There's none. You're absolutely right. It, it's ridiculous. And I mean, there you go. How you? How do you know if you don't know? ROH reminds me of, you know, like Impact. I think they're organizations who've, whose time has come and gone and nobody has told them yet. And they're just hanging on for dear life at this point in time with whatever minimal TV contracts. And in the case of ROH, Sinclair, I just see them as individual outlets that are going to get diminished. And just, just like territories, just when the territories mm-hmm. were in the dying days and you could you mentioned whatever territory it is out there, but there were dying days for that. And it just seems like those two MLW is it seems like it has a little bit more life, but again, in a situation where nobody that's a general audience member out there has no clue of how or where to find it. AEW has a product that could be seen by millions each week and actually got off to a tremendous start. And it just never, it, it, because of whether their time changes or now the fact that they're going to go over to TBS from TNT, whatever the case may be, they've not been able to sustain it as well. It's just, I don't see good signs. And I don't want this to be, well, in fact, it's going to be, unfortunately, a sign of the times that it has to be all doom and gloom. But I mean, I, I don't see many good outreaches at this point in time that gets me enthused about the future of where we're at. You know, and I'll go back to an episode of the PVD cast I did a couple of weeks ago with my uh, my colleagues, the pro wrestling pundits, and we talked about AEW. And I think one of the things that we we discussed was that there doesn't seem to be, again, going back to storylines, there doesn't seem to be a consistency, so to speak. Either you have a storyline that started three weeks later, then it's totally just dropped. Or or in the case, and I feel this way, of the pinnacle and the the inner circle okay, we've done everything we can do. That feud needs to kind of go away for a while. Yeah. Let's try something different. And, and I think that that's, you know, that, that there's another fine example right there too, going back to Ring of Honor. I'm so sorry. I am done with the Briscoe brothers. They've been there since day one. They've won 12 titles or 11 titles, whatever. Ta- I'm done with them. I, I want them to go somewhere else and see what they can do against other tag teams. I know that there's, some contractual things involved in that, but you, know, you just, again, the storylines have to be there. They have to be something that you can get behind. When a product gets stale, yes. it's discarded. And we see that in the time of the WWE. If creative doesn't have anything for you, you see what happens. We've seen many layoffs over the past two years now in regards to that. If for some reason we can go ahead and say with the Brusco brothers, people are tired of seeing them on RH because they have been, ROH for so many years, them and Jay Lethal are probably the only individuals that people could name any, any general wrestling fan. If they were to name the individuals in ROH, it's the Briscoe brothers and Jay Lethal. And that's it. Yeah. And the thing is, maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, but for them, as far as their creativity is concerned, that may be a bad thing because as they get older, as they spend more time there, they're forgotten about. And maybe a good change of scenery would be best for both those, uh, all three of those individuals. But I agree with you on that. I mean, cinematic match or not between the Briscoe brothers, I think their time has come and gone. Yeah. And I mean, that's just one example. There's plenty of other examples in the WWE and AEW and even in New Japan. You know, there's there's some that I know that we talked in, in our messages back and forth. You posed the question, can New Japan 
reach the high levels of like a WWE? Can they can they maybe be the uh, messiah, if you will, to get us all energized and back into can pro they be, wrestling? Can they be that spark yeah. that energizes uh, people people's faith in in sports entertainment once again? I don't know because I think they're having a lot of troubles. I mean, uh, COVID really kind of messed up a lot of their plans because yeah. you know Kota Ibishi was supposed to be their champion and he got hurt, and so then they put on a Will Osprey. He was supposed to be the champion and he got hurt, and now now we're here with a guy, you know, Takagi, who I mean, he's okay. I but the problem is he's okay, right? Exactly. That's you don't want somebody that's just okay as a face of your company. Will Ospreay, to me, is, is someone that people are going to talk about if he continues his health problems as someone who was going to could be one of those individuals that could shape the future of the rest of the decade for pro wrestling. But if his neck and his back and and whatever injuries that he's uh, you know that has a, that has happened to him over the past three four years they catch up with him as they are right now, it'll be a what if scenario for him, but he's someone that could have stand out. We're seeing it right now with Kenny Omega, who's talking about, you know, he, he, he's trying to be the face of AEW and he's trying to go ahead and have all these titles from other organizations and trying to get notoriety that way. But yet he also talks about his, uh, the platelets being put in for his, his, you know, certain parts of his back, his knees, his, He's now talking about the injuries now catching up with him as well. It's just I don't see a good future with someone that's going to be able to take up the horns and unless something comes out of nowhere like we did with 316. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's – I hate to be so negative, Gerald. I'm sorry. I'm but that's where stuck. we are in the state I know. It's the reality. But it it, it, it just – I mean, it's not a, it's not a happy uh, future you know, for us wrestling fans. And that's what I want to ask you. Is there someone that could shape the future? I mentioned MJF, uh, Sammy Guevara. I think mm-hmm. he may not have the look, but he does have the mannerisms and people as I think I saw a reading the other day or someone that said the other day that they just have, he has the look that you just want to come up and slap him. And the thing is that kind of look is very hard to achieve, especially naturally. MJF is an individual who exudes stardom, but will be he be ever given the chance to be at that level where he's the individual you're going to put all your money behind? That's a question as well, because I think he should be given that opportunity. I want to hear your thoughts. Is there someone in maybe the WWE? I mean, you can't say Bobby Lashley because of his age. You can't say Roman Reigns because even though this is probably the best look for him as a singles individual ever, it's still, he's not had the success. The numbers are still falling behind him. So is there that individual out there? Ooh, great question. When you think of it, you think of people who are physical freaks that still have a look, that still have a presence Keith Lee, I think of right off the top of my head, could be a, a a person that changes things. But he's up, he's down, he's injured, he's not injured. He's who it's knows. Like man doesn't like on. his weight and, and yeah. the things that he does, and then he sends him for training. I mean, that's a stop right there. Yeah, you know, I, right now, if you're thinking about somebody who could jumpstart the wrestling industry. I don't, I don't know who that would be. I really do not. There are bright spots of people who can help, 
that could be in a supporting role and, and getting, you know, working with that person to get things jumped out. Uh, in the WWE right now, I got to be honest, I don't I don't see anybody. I'm even trying to think of people, you know, Bronson Reed supposedly is coming up, but I don't know if he, he again, is a solid mid-card guy. He, he to me, is a 2021 Bam Bam Bigelow. I, man, I don't know. I really do have to think about it, who's doing some really good stuff. But yeah, going yeah. back real quick, though, to, to characters, I'm going to go back real quick to ROH. ROH is allowing Danhausen to be Danhausen. And it's funny stuff and it's working. And so I think that's what maybe could be something that other companies should do and go, okay, if this person has this certain thing, let's do it. Let's go with it. Let's see what happens. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll try something else. I think that there's a a tendency to just rely on, we got to repackage everybody. You know, we got to have some new idea for them. And I don't know if that necessarily works all the time. I mean, uh, Jamie has mentioned Brian Cage. Brian Cage, you know, very athletically gifted, obviously has a great physique, and he does come off angry. But the thing is, when you go to AEW and you're not presented as a monster that's going to get over everyone, that's the thing. If If you come in and you're a monster, you're supposed to get over everyone. And the problem is, there's such a, even a political hierarchy there already in AEW, as of course we know from the WWE, I think the WWE is more. I think they could probably go ahead and someone if want, they wanted to succeed at WWE, and like you said, if if they saw something clicking, the WWE would just like go for it and would write it, it, it because they're so desperate for a storyline or an individual that clicks with an audience. So AEW, I think it's a little bit more clicky, and if you're not part of the clicky click one hundred percent. There could be some issues there. There is some great talent in AEW. Let's, oh, let's there not, yeah, yeah, there is. There I is. mean, you know, Cody Rhodes is someone that I thought early on could have been that transcendent figure for them. It could have put them, but he's had, you know, his own things where he's going out and doing other things in regards to trying to promote his brand. And that's conflicted with AEW's brand at times as far as what, what they're doing. And then you have, uh, again, all the stuff that's going on with, with the behind-the-scenes stuff, and then you bring in all the ex-WWE guys. So I don't know. It just I don't have the magical elixir. I wish I did. <laughs> I mean, back in the days, you and I, if this was the 90s or the 2000s, we would have probably said, you know what, I see this guy. I, I would, if I was there, I would give him the push, or I would give her the push, or I would give this tag team the push. Right now, I just it, it's so hard to find that one individual or two individuals out there, man or woman, that's going to change the needle in a positive direction. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Can we talk about the women of professional wrestling? Real well, that quickly? could be an answer, but the thing that, is, that could be. And 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 I'm going to give credit where I feel Impact has the best women's division. They're athletic. They you know they're attractive women. You know they they have the total package. You know, and I feel like if other companies would model their divisions after Impact, we we could have somebody like. 
a Becky Lynch or a Deanna Perrazzo rise to that top level and maybe be that spark that ignites another great wrestling boom. Absolutely. I mean, because it all depends on how they're promoted. And I think that the WWE could be on the verge of doing that, where they're just going to start pushing them even more. I understand that they have had main events with the women at WrestleMania, which I think is outstanding. But to me, they're still a little bit, they're, they're still held back to a certain extent as far as it's concerned. And I think that's wrong because some of your most vocal and talented and charismatic individuals that can connect with an audience are in the women's division and not in the I men's. I agree. And if booked correctly, then they get here's a prime example. And I'm I'm so sorry to say this, but this is my opinion. Nyla Rose is is just done in AEW. I mean, she's lost to so many people that I've lost complete belief in her character. Uh, and I'm sorry to say that because I feel like there was not there was the opportunity right out of the gates to smash Nyla Rose over to make her the unstoppable force like an awesome Kong that could have led to such great matches with somebody that, uh, of a stature that was a little bit bigger, if you will. And, and they just, you know, she loses to this individual, that individual. There's no believability. There's no believability. And I feel that that you got to believe, you got to believe what you're seeing. You go to the, you go, you mentioned Fast and Furious 9. You got to have a little bit of believability, right? When you're watching those car races going, well, that probably would happen or, you know, whatnot. If it's something ridiculous, like going to space, you know, you might go, uh, this is, this is ridiculous. I know I'm picking on F9. I'm sorry. I hope I... No, that's fine because it's popcorn <laughs> entertainment. But the reason why it's done so well and the Fast and Furious IP as a whole is they know what the audience wants and they deliver right. it to them. And it, the thing is, right now, I don't think the WWE, AEW, or anyone else knows 100% of what the audience wants or how to grow a new audience, especially a younger audience. And again... I don't want pro wrestling go ahead and, and cater to me because uh, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to cater to those individuals that are turning it on for the first time. Are, are You want to get them hooked so that the sport or entertainment or whatever you want to call it continues on long after we're gone is something that people hold in a decent regard. It'll never be held in a high regard because, again, it's scripted, it's sports entertainment, et cetera, what do you want to call it? But there's still a level of, of acceptance that it had in the late 90s, early 2000s that it doesn't have now. Can you go back and think what hooked you about pro wrestling in your fandom? I just thought it was storylines. I just wanted to, and I, and, and can also, you give, can you give an example real quick of one of those storylines? Well, for me, for me, it was, well, actually, the first time I actually went to a pro wrestling was went to the Olympic Auditorium. And the first memories I have was of Andre the Giant and just how huge an individual he was. And he won a battle royal, I believe, that, that night. I think that's what he mainly was working in the late 70s, early mm -hmm. 80s that time was he'd go to a town, mm -hmm. work a battle royale, win mm -hmm. the battle royale, and everybody would be going home happy. I think he did a lot of that uh, during his time before really hunkering down with WWE, but to me, that was just a part of, wow. But I didn't start watching it as a whole until 
I started checking out as a as a early teens and an early teenager when I it's just was compelled by what was this promotion doing and what was this promotion doing and what storyline I had to follow because we had a station out in Orange County in, in the Los Angeles area, Channel 56, I think KDOC, if I remember correctly, that would play a block of about five, six hours of professional wrestling from all around the country. And mm-hmm. that's the way I could catch up so I could see which storylines were working, which weren't, and I could follow them. And then which matchups to me, even though I started to come to understand about the scripted part of it uh, kind of early on, I started to understand that, okay, when you're watching the WWF on Saturday mornings, you can see which dude was winning and which dude was not winning because of a lot of those squash matches. Yeah. So you yeah. could you can start to tell. And then when, when the regular matches came around, you could say, oh, that's going to end in a DQ. Oh, well, that's going to end in a countout. Oh, yeah, it did. How coincidental. Hmm. Something must be fishy there. So you start to see it and then you start to see look harder and you see the pull punches, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, what kept me going was, okay, how were these companies dealing with their storylines? How compelling could you make them? And to me, some of the things that were early on as far as the, the Freebirds and the Von Erics and world-class championship wrestling, and that went on for years. And they dragged that on. And it, while it did overstay its welcome at the end, it, but it was still some, some really compelling mm-hmm. television to watch week in, week out for well over a year, a year and a half, two years. And then you saw things in the UWF with Bill Watts' uh, Mid-South, as far as that's concerned. You saw stuff that he was doing that some of it was really clicking with a television audience. And, of course, you had a young JR who was at his – some of his best at that point in time. I think his best obviously came in the 90s WWF. Still, I think he was he was really coming into his own at that point in time. And you had also the Horseman, who would be on every Saturday on TBS, flouting the four and all that. And they would flout their greatness. And who would come try to impose them? And those are some of the storylines and things that I remember. And, uh, you know, before he passed away or it was allegedly killed, which he was, Bruiser Brody. I was always fascinated by him and Abdullah the Butcher in the matches that they would have. And that was happening all around the world, whether it was Texas, mm-hmm. whether it was Canada, whether it's Japan, whether it's Puerto Rico, whether all over. That that was fascinating. And these were some of the matches and some of the storylines that had really gotten to me and got me compelled and got me to watch each and every Saturday or each and every weekend, I should say. Yeah. And see, for me, I think I could vividly remember there were two things that happened right around within a few weeks of each other that got me interested. And the first was the war to settle the score. Fabulous Moolah on MTV defending the women's title against uh, Wendy Richter. I was I was captivated by that because to me, I'm like, I know who Cindy Lauper is. She's with this, ch-. you know, like there was all that. And then also within a week, either it happened a few weeks prior to or a few weeks after it, I remember turning on the TV with um, a few minutes left to go. And I stumbled across Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and I watched this lunatic guy, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, just beat the daylights out of Tully Blanchard. Like, bumped him around that ring, and he was barking and that, and Tully Blanchard took a powder and ran back and yelled into the mic. I think Bob Cottle was the – and I was captivated because I'm like, who's this lunatic that's barking? Like, that got me, and that's what hooked me. And then I was like, I got to seek this stuff out. Exactly. And that's the thing that you're mentioning right now. You mentioned the war to sell the score, and you mentioned the fact that that's the rock and wrestling connection yes. with MTV 
and the WWF, they went out of their way to get work with each other. They found something that clicked that connected with a larger audience. And that's what drew so many people in, not just individuals such as yourself, but a lot of others to the pro wrestling market you know, that would eventually become pro wrestling fans for years, but also so many individuals out there that were MTV followers that were, like you said, were just Cindy Lauper fans or what have you. And that led into WrestleMania, that led into WrestleMania 3, that was so huge and everybody loved to be part of that experience and so on and so forth. The problem is we don't have that today. Yes, WWE can still pack in a fifty to sixty thousand, and in if what in a short period of time, you know, in, in a not too distant future, here in Las Vegas, we're going to have SummerSlam at Allegiant Stadium, and Allegiant Stadium will be—I don't know if it'll be packed, but it will have fifty thousand people here, and and everything will seem on the surface be right. But then you look at the overall numbers from a week-to-week standpoint. It just it you don't have that buy-in from the general consumer out there, and that to me is a problem. Mm-hmm. Because right now they're just resting on their laurels, taking money from NBC Universal, the WWE. Should the WWE sell? That's one thing. Cool. Now they've got their five-year. We talked about this. Like you were here yes. as they as they were just coming onto the platform with Universal and doing that and and getting involved with streaming and having the five-year deal for $1 billion and everybody was talking about it and that was going to be the way of the future. Is that going to be the way of the future for pro wrestling as a whole? And is it time for WWE to just go ahead and say, you know what, I think we need to sell, move on? Because Vince McMahon, he's now in his late 70s. He is no longer the individual, I think, that can just go ahead and touch something and it's going to become magic. I don't think the WWE has a good beat on its audience right now. And I think maybe now is the time to go ahead and look for other ventures. Well, either that or somehow, some way Vince has to, has to leave. I think that his, I don't know if he's, if it's age or or what it is, but his disconnect to me, I mean, for prime example, Samoa Joe, we fired him. Wait, what? We fired him. We need to hire that guy back. Like, Zelina Vega, this was a big deal that she was making money on her Twitch, but it was such a big deal that now you can hire her back? Like, and the stories of him rewriting Raw and and the not knowing who Bronson Reed is, he needs to go. He needs to go let Stephanie and Paul take over. I, I feel like they would do a pretty darn good job of running the ship they can't do any worse. Let's just look at it that way. I mean, I I think that either you sell it and you have somebody that kind of is the overseer, but you let somebody, Vince, probably run the day-to-day operations where you have some control from NBC Universal or whoever. Uh, but I, I would feel better if we just asked Vince to leave or forced him to leave i don't know how you do it well right now you would have to buy him out you'd have to buy him out because he is the major shareholder he is the governor of what's going on with the wwe i just think at this point in time the mcmahon's time is done yeah i think if there's anybody you want to keep you want to keep triple h i think Mm -hmm. you know he's been stunted you know in a lot of ways i think he has a lot of uh, he has his eye on the past and the future i think he has a good eye for both as far as what we've done in the past and what we can do in the future. I think, you know, you should at least give him a year or two 
mm-hmm. the guy that's making mm-hmm. the decisions to see whether or not he could do it long term. But I don't think that's been the case. And, you know, to me, I think it's just time for the company to sell. It's just time for the company to sell and look to other ventures. I don't know who would buy it. Uh, Peacock. If I was Peacock, I would for $1 billion, I said, okay, what, give, what if I'm spending $1 billion on you guys, I might as well just spend two or three more to just go ahead and buy it and have outright control because that library is uh, in and of itself is just should be the key to what you're doing going forward. It should be, but now you got me going down a different avenue because that's the thing that irks me about Peacock is that there is really nothing on. And listen, I'm Gerald, I'm not a cancer culture guy, but you hear the stories of them re-editing things and cutting things. Look, there has been some tasteless stuff done in professional wrestling. Okay, there has. You think? <laughs> I mean, hell, that's all ECW was, was tasteless things. But we know better now. So put a disclaimer before the episode, before the pay-per-view, whatever. Hey, there's some offensive material. You know, this is what you should watch out for and leave it be. Let the viewer decide. Is this something that offends me? Is this something that doesn't offend me? Did I like this? Did I hate this? What? Whatever. But cutting out stuff or not even putting stuff up on the uh, Or on going the black system. and white every time there's blood. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's dumb. It's stupid. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, that's just my two cents worth. I'm just not for it. I think it's ridiculous. We all make mistakes. We all do. Uh, and you hopefully you learn from them and you don't make those same mistakes. And so, again... Tasteless stuff that's on a wrestling show, put a little disclaimer, let the viewer decide, and go from there. But still, it's just a matter of, of if I was Peacock in Universal, sure. I would have just spent the money on it. Just, yes, I agree. If you're that's the original point. <laughs> yeah, if you spend $1 billion on something and you have the money, you might as well just say, you know what? If we're renting them for a $1 billion for five years, why not just buy them outright? Why not just give Vince McMahon the money to go in and say, you know what? Here, this is what you wanted. This is what you got. It's time to move on. Because there are people out there in place and not necessarily all of them have to be retreads. There are people out there that you could bring into the industry that could have better ideas on the mm-hmm. product that have probably like you and I been watching from the outside and might have good ideas. It's just, you got to go ahead and make the effort to find them. And WWE Again, I know a lot of people were on their case about bringing writers in who have no clue about the product or no clue about sports entertainment as a whole or pro wrestling. But still, I I don't mind that idea as long as you have uh, enough people that know exactly where the industry has been and can take steps and take measures to go ahead and remind themselves of what worked in the past, what they could use maybe in the Mm -hmm. future going forward. Yeah, I don't see why you couldn't hire a, a, a individual that worked on a sitcom. Bring them in and go, okay, we want you to keep the ideas of what works in a sitcom, but here's what works in wrestling, okay? And teach them. This is how this is how this should go. This is how that should go. You can't do this because of this. And explain the psychology behind it, and then let them go from there. I, I, again, as long as it's not all TV and movie writers and that you have that balance, I'm all for it, Gerald. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. 
for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, I'm just so thrilled that you and I got to be a chance to talk again. I understand you and I have not been maybe giving the most uplifting of conversations, but we're shooting it real, as they would say. We're shooting it real, and you know we do this out of an affection we have for the industry as a whole. And I know a lot of people out there, I know that they speak to you with your great podcast, and also as well they speak to me out as far as email and, and social media through mine, but... They, they understand where the industry is at right now. They have a good idea. And if they have been a longtime fan like us, they understand that changes need to be made to make mm-hmm. it better. Yes, I agree. And, and you know what? I might throw this out there. I don't know if this means anything. I really don't. But if you're a fan of pro wrestling, you are a consumer. And you can make changes by supporting companies that are doing things that you like. All right? No matter if it's at the independent level or if it's at the major level. I, I say support them. If they are doing, if that company, if company XYZ promotion is doing great stuff, all right, and you like the stars and you like the storylines, support them, actively support them so that maybe some of those ideas might transfer to another company or transfer to another company because you know, Gerald, as well as I do, that if you, if, if you're, if you run in a pizza shop, and your sales are okay, but the pizza shop down the street is doing something so great, so fantastic. They're giving away free soda with their with their pizza. Are you going to think about it? You're going to think about it. You're going to think about doing that. What can we do? Maybe we give away free soda and we give away free breadsticks with our pizza. There you go. That's how this starts. And I think as a fan, you like what you see in professional wrestling, then support it. Actively support it. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I, now I'm getting hungry for some pizza. <laughs> All I'll say, maybe I'll get some free breadsticks in the soda. They'll ask me why do are do, why do they want or why are they expecting me to go ahead and get free stuff? And I'll say, because John Orlando told me that, you know. And the, then they might the, go, we know that guy, get out. Exactly. Well, no, 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 they won't say that. But it is John Orlando from Matt Talk and the PBD cast. But before we head on out, again, we could be talking about this all day. And okay. I, I know this is a grouch session from two, uh, I don't want to say older guys, but two individuals maybe on a different bracket on Nielsen's viewership list. <laughs> but I will say that we are individuals that care about where the industry is going. And we don't have a direct say in the matter, but we do have one in the way we can turn and turn off our channels and our remote control. So like you said, John, that's the way you, you're going to have to support it for this time. But you talk about wrestling quite a bit on your shows. I want to hear before you head on out all the different ways they can catch and why they should catch your awesome shows, Matt Talk and the PVD cast. Well, we're going to talk about the PVD cast first. It is my own personal podcast. I talk about wrestling, hockey, movies, comic books. Uh, I have a plethora of great episodes. In fact, uh, I just uh, this past week, uh, the episode is with a gentleman by the name of Dr. D., and he is a wrestling journalist, a wrestling personality in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. He's been doing it a very long time. And we talk quite a bit about the same thing we kind of talked about here, Gerald, about what makes great indie wrestling, what makes great wrestling, period. Uh, so it's a great, awesome, insightful episode. 
please check it out. Uh, PVDcast.com is my online uh, website where you can catch every single episode, but it's also available through all those major um, podcasting platforms, you know, like iTunes and Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts, etc. cetera. Uh, and I, I know we've never talked about this, but uh, since we mentioned the, the, uh, the podcast awards, which I'll, I'll get to here in a minute, as I've been doing a side project for the past year with a, a good podcasting pal of mine, Jason Taylor. We do a podcast twice a month on the second and fourth Mondays of every month called Matt Talk, where Jason and I have an affinity for the NBC TV show, Matlock. And so we watch an episode, we review it, we discuss it, we poke a little fun at it, and it's a great time. And uh, that's why I can't believe it was nominated for a Columbus Podcast Award. It's such a niche type of a podcast, but we've uh, been very successful with it. We appreciate everybody that checks it out. Um, again, the PVD cast and Matt talk are both nominated for a Columbus podcast award, which again, I'm humbled by Gerald. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. And remember, I'm going to, I've got those pictures. I've got that blackmail <laughs> ready. I've got the sent over to the judges to okay. make sure you're the shoe in. Yeah. All right. You I appreciate that. All so right. If you win. You win. I don't want to be part of your acceptance speech. You know, you go ahead and you thank the people, but just know in the back of your mind that, you know, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, a kickback, if you will. Yeah. Kickback okay. or blackmail or, you know, naughty pictures or something was there sent that say, you know what? We saw you do this. You know what? We can go ahead and look by it. If you go ahead and make sure you take care of John Orlando. <laughs> I like it. It's great playing. All right. Great indeed. But once again, it's John Orlando, Matt Talk, and the PVD cast. Please, I will go ahead and make sure to everyone out there that they will be able to, if they're listening to this on our podcast outlets, that they're going to be able to go ahead in the description and connect right to it. But, John, uh, you know you're always welcome back. The red carpet is open. In fact, you got me this time. You did exactly what I hope our guests do. They come back. They want to go ahead and they go when we're going to talk pro wrestling, I said, you know what? I've got to come up with something. So it took me a day and I said, let's have a state of pro wrestling. So that's what we did right now. John, I can't wait to have you back on talking about all the great things in pro wrestling. I just truly appreciate the time you take to speaking to me and I wish you continued success with you. Hopefully your award winning podcast hint, hint, out there. So. Hope so. I well, can't wait to have that statue. In. It's in. It's, I yeah, can't wait exactly. to have the statues on the wall back here. They better be there. Otherwise, I'm going to have issues with everybody out there in Columbus that's voting on this. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. There you go right there. But it is John Orlando. Please check out his shows, Matt Talk, and also the PVD cast today. Go ahead and check out all the great stuff that he does. And, John, it's just been great having you on the program. I want to thank so much, Jamie, for all of his great comments as well. We truly appreciate it. And everybody out there, if you have an affinity for pro wrestling, please go ahead, hit up John. John Orlando right there through the PVD cast. You can go ahead and hit me up. You know all my social media out there. So Pop Culture Cosmos out there on social media. Go ahead, let us know. If you have an affinity for pro wrestling and you have questions or comments that you would like conveyed on the future of where the industry is going and what they can do to make some changes that hopefully will get more people involved, We'd love to hear from you. Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos and the PVD cast. John, it's been great having you on, and we thank you so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos.